Tell me your story. Tell me your story. How did it all start? Do you remember? Oh, I know what happened. How did it stop? You're now tuned into the Small Business Origins Podcast. I love an origin story. Each week, we dive into the real stories of entrepreneurs and businesses from across the nation. Who is he and what's his origin story? Who started with just an idea and are now making waves. I told you this was a good idea. This is Small Business Origins. Yeah, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Origins. I'm your host, as always, John Kelly, aka John the Marketer on Instagram and TikTok. And you're joining me on our nationwide search. We are looking for entrepreneurs that have a story to tell, but we're changing it up a little bit today because for a second time, we've got the Tomball Economic Development Corporation on. This time, Kelly brought a friend. She's got Tiffany with her, one of those coworkers that just helps her keep everything together in the office. And they're going to talk about some special stuff because we have economic development week going on right now as you're listening to this. So big moment for EDCs across the country. It's a nationwide thing. And uh, we want to talk about some things that Tomball is doing specifically, how it relates to the EDC as a whole. But before we hop into all of that stuff, I have to say, welcome to our studio, Kelly, welcome back. And Tiffany, welcome in. Thank you. It is awesome to have y'all here. We love talking about good resources for businesses because, you know, there's so many people. I was just talking to someone that I've had on the podcast recently that was like, EDC, what's an EDC? And I'm like, you have a business in the city. You should have already been in the EDC's office. You know, this is something that y'all do for the economy as a whole, something that you do for business owners. And then ultimately it winds up benefiting all of us as citizens that live in that city as well. So important topic. And I want to hop into all of it. But before we do, We always start out with an icebreaker question. So today's icebreaker question is what is your most used phone app? Life 360. (laughs) I've got two teenage daughters. Life 360 is a (laughs) lifesaver. You just live on there tracking them everywhere they're going. Well, and when they're, you know, I mean, driving and just it's that peace of mind. Uh, It took me a while as a Gen Xer to like feel okay checking all the time, not all the time, but I do check. And it took me a while because it was like, oh, I feel like I'm invading their privacy. And yeah. for them, they're like, mom, you have my location. Like, Why didn't you check my location? And I'm like, <laughs> okay. They're just good. so used to it by now. They, I think yeah. they grew up with the technology. Well, and they all know where their friends are all the time. It's very odd to me, but yeah. <laughs> uh, if you look at Snapchat, like I'm not even a big Snapchat user, but having it on there and it's like, do you want to share your, 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 where your location with everybody else. And right. I'm like, I don't want people knowing where I'm at. Right. All the time. I'm like, no, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely with you. Mine's TikTok. I wish that it was something, you know, a little more useful like life 360, but I am definitely one of those that got sucked into TikTok during COVID and thought that I would just browse and look at, you know, videos and that kind of thing. And then it just morphed from there into now I have videos on TikTok myself and I'm just constantly scrolling through. I have multiple accounts because of business and mm-hmm. yeah, which surprisingly for mobile magazine, 2022's most downloaded app was TikTok. I say surprisingly, but it doesn't shock me at all. No. Yeah. You know, 672 million downloads. That's a lot. I'm going to be honest. Oh my goodness. I, I don't understand TikTok. <laughs> I don't. I don't even have TikTok. <laughs> I have Snapchat. I have. Oh, I have Snapchat. 
but that's because have, like we play I with have the Facebook filters. and Instagram, but then I, I'm not I'm not a ticker or a talker. No. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I downloaded Snapchat to begin with was just to be able to mess with the filters. Yeah, and just, yeah. like me and the kids would lay on the bed and yeah. you know do all these different face yeah. filters and stuff. And I barely use it, but yeah. I don't think I could survive without TikTok. That's like my downtime go to. It's yeah. the most. Like if you haven't looked, if you have an iPhone and you haven't looked at your screen time just to see mm-hmm. how much time you're wasting on your phone, mm-hmm. I think I spend like eight hours a, a whole week, like eight hours, one work day's worth of time on TikTok. Wow. Just That's scrolling. Crazy. It's insane. <laughs> it's kind of a eye opener. Yeah. I wish that I had the willpower to fix it, but. <laughs> see, I just, I don't understand it. Like, I mean, my kid, it's, it's a, it's the difference I think in, in like their humor They'll show me something on TikTok and they're cracking up laughing. And I'm going, why is that funny? I find that with my wife. (laughs) And then I'm going, I'm old. Okay. Officially old. I do this thing where I send my wife like 30 or 40 TikToks in a day. Uh And then at night she'll be trying to scroll through and like, you know, tear down some of the videos that she has piled up to watch. And then I'm just laying there next to her watching the videos that I already watched and sent to her. Are you still laughing? And then she doesn't react. Of course, I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying laughing. And she's not reacting the way I think she's supposed huh. to. And I'm just like, you're dumb. And then just go back over to my, my corner and just do my stuff. thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, this is quality content I've curated <laughs> yeah. for you. Yeah. You know, some of it she laughs at. And I'm like, see, you should yeah. watch more of my videos. But <laughs> yeah, Instagram had 548 million downloads and WhatsApp had 424 million. I don't even know WhatsApp. It's Facebook's messenger that's supposed to be secure and encrypted and all this stuff. And a lot of people use it for international conversations because you make calls and text messages, that kind of thing. And so it's a meta product. We use it at work just to kind of like have our whole shift talk and have a space kind of like we use Slack here at Beefy. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Yours? I was going to say, you can't get out of this without answering the question. So this is probably going to be a, a huge surprise to you, but probably my most used app on my phone is my calendar. Yeah. Um, I, I think no and, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm a super time sensitive person, um, but every day I start my day, that's the first thing that I open after shutting the alarm off of like, okay, what do I have today? What meetings? Um, that really kind of starts playing into pretty much every decision from what dress attire, everything relies on that and and trying to build in other meetings or personal life of like, okay, kid, you need baseball attire, get this ready because from the moment I get home, we got to hustle. And I just think that that's, that's pretty much where everybody is in their life right now. We're always yeah. all running. And uh, so I'm just, I think that if that app on my phone just crashed, I, I might have a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> not know there's what to no do mic. She will. <laughs> like yes she is I, a scheduler i am and i i'm doing better i feel like of like i'm a recovery time sensitive person <laughs> my, no, my name is tiffany, my name is yeah. tiffany. i have a problem um i mean there there's pros and cons to that right you know and so but whew, if that went away on my phone i think that would be my i am way too dependent on my cell phone if i didn't have my cell phone i mm-hmm. would be lost completely yeah. there is no like i turned around today now granted i live five minutes away from the office but i turned around to get my watch yeah because it's that important to me to have that there so that i can check things that i have mm-hmm. going on i'm with you just because tiktok's my most used app i mean i probably spend 40 hours a week on my cell phone i think yeah, last yeah. time i looked at my screen time and it's the same thing as you my wife schedules personal things that we have planned 
kids' birthday parties, mm-hmm. like time that we're going to spend together. If yeah. we're going on date night, if we're exactly. doing anything, it's like if you don't block it off in my calendar, it won't happen. Yeah. Then I may not show. I may no call, no show for yeah. our date night. Like yeah. I don't know what exactly. to tell you. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hundred percent got to be scheduled because yeah. I, I'm with you every single Everything. day except today because it's a mandatory overtime day, so I don't schedule anything for today because I could get called into the fire station. So this is the only thing I had on my plate for the day because I was like, hey. I can't have anything else. Let's put them there tentatively. We'll make it work some other day if we have to. But yeah, every day I've got at least three or four things that are just plotted out on my calendar for mm-hmm. me to do. And I'm with you. It's like I, I got to plan when I'm going to take lunch. Could be 11 o'clock, yeah. 12 o'clock, one o'clock. I don't know. Yeah. Might be a late lunch, early lunch or right on time for once. Mm-hmm. You just never know. No. And, you know, it's interesting with economic development. You, you know, you we never know who's going to walk in our door yeah, or, sure. or who's going to call. And I mean, it could be. You know, Macy's distribution, it could be, you know, Tejas and it, it kind of the whole gamut in between. And that's kind of the exciting part about it, honestly, is yes, you live by the calendar and that's we're kind of yin and yang with that. Um, but you also you you get so you get exposed to so many different new things and people that we didn't I mean. Can you imagine all this businesses that we've been on a site tour and all the things that we've learned about from plastics to oh absolutely garbage compactors? I mean, no two days that are the same. I mean, you might have similarities of workload as far as desk work and stuff like that, but I mean, we've one of these days we we could write a book on the crazy things that we've we've went through, but. Or we could just Equal. do a business after hours podcast yes. and just talk about yes. it. Yes, you know? it's been it's been a very interesting, super exciting ride that I feel like we've been on for a, a long time. Yeah. So well, if our listener hasn't listened to Kelly's episode, the EDC episode, back when we were the beef podcast season mm-hmm. one, um, then you probably need to stop at this point and head back over there and listen to that episode because there's some great information there. Today we kind of want to expand on that, but we always start out with the origin story. So since Kelly's been here, we'll have her recap her stuff mm-hmm. after you, Tiffany. Oh, but nice. let's start with you and just tell me, you know, where did you come from <clears throat> all the way from whatever you want to talk about when you were born all the way up <laughs> until now. But just tell us kind of how you became involved with an economic development corporation okay. and then wound up here, because I think this is something that we wanted to mention was you've been the longest running employee with the EDC mm-hmm. in Tomball thus far. So I know you've yeah. seen a lot of change. Oh, absolutely. Um, I am to take it back a little ways. I am originally from Kansas, so I'm not native to Texas. Um, I grew up in a really small town um, in Burden, Kansas. I went out to college at Fort Hay State University and going through college. And once I left my college town, my first career move was in banking. Um, I really kind of started dabbling as a as a teller and stuff like that at uh, while I was in college. After that, um, I was working at a bank one day and a lady walked into the bank. She was making her deposits and she's like, you know, how, how long have you been working in banking? And, and I told her a little bit about my story and she was like, you know, she goes, I'm a board member on the Economic Development Corporation here. And I, I like your personality and with your banking background, I would just, I would love to talk to you more and see if you would be interested. We have an opening in economic development. And I, and I smiled because that's what you're supposed to do. I was like, okay, that's that's great. You know, we can, we can set some time. I had no clue what economic development was. 
Um, I mean, she could at least gave me a little tidbit that, you know, kind of some functions at Chamber of Commerce, but I, it was deer in the headlights. Perfect. We'll, we'll chat later. I went on about my day and she came back in like a couple of days later. She's like, I'm serious. I, I want to talk to you. And I was like, okay, well, obviously this is not the place, but we can schedule a time to sit down and visit. And we grabbed coffee and she told me a little bit about economic development, what they were looking for. And, you know, I kind of, I took the leap in that community, um, a small rural town, the chamber, the eco devo and the travel and tourism component all were in one office. And so I wore the hat of kind of all business resources for that community. And that was my start. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I got the job merely on the fact that I could talk to people. Um, I was good with money. And, uh, you know, that really kind of started my career. I started in economic development when I was 20 years old. So that's that's where it started for me. Um, I spent six, seven years in economic development between two organizations in Kansas before deciding to move down here to Texas. My parents had moved down here um, when I had graduated high school. And so it was just a good time for me to relocate, get a little closer to to my family. And so I came down here um, and I stayed on contract up there while I was looking for a job. I stopped in. This will be a funny story of Kelly and I. I'll, I'll try to go quickly. Um, I stopped in the economic development office here in Tomball. That was my first stop um, because I had moved to Magnolia and I met with the previous economic development director, uh, Betty Reinbeck. And I was like, you know, listen, I I'm moving here. Don't know if your office has any needs, but if you do, then think of me. She was like, oh, man, I have just hired somebody last week. In fact, she's supposed to start this next week. And I was like, oh, timing. Well, it's really great to meet you, yada, yada, yada. We'll come to find out who she had hired was Kelly Violet. Um, so fast forward, I go back into banking. I, I'm working here in Tomball. And um, I think Kelly had went back to to the city side, which I'll let you explain your, your side. But I got a call um, to see if I was still interested in the position. And so I had came in and filled her role. That she had left. Uh, I think there was a person in between there. Mm -hmm. But, and the rest has kind of been history. We've worked on thousands of programs since. So it's been a very interesting, interesting ride. But that's how I got to Tomball and in economic development. Awesome. Kelly, I know we've had you on the show before. We've Mm -hmm. talked about your history, but if we can get just a brief overview, I don't believe that you're a native to Texas either. Y'all kind of both came in from other areas. So. Yeah, I grew up in Southern California. Uh, we moved here in 2006 and we relocated because of my husband's job, um, which actually was started at Hooks Airport. So it's kind of a fun story to, you know, Hooks Airport's what brought us to, to Tomball. Um, but my background was really in urban planning. I, you know, loved kind of the, the idea of long range planning, you know, developing communities that, that whole kind of gamut of community development type of work. Um, and I ended up, when I graduated, I, I got a position in the city of Riverside, which was the, the city that I had grow, grown up in. And I got to do several different things there, which was, was really pretty exciting. But all of that led me to planning. Um, so when we decided to relocate to Houston, 
or the Houston area, like the largest non-zoned region in the country, all of my coworkers were like, what the heck are you going to (laughs) do? So um, I stayed home. I had a daughter that was about six months old at the time. So I stayed home with her for about a year. And then I felt like my brain was going to mush and I needed to talk something other than baby talk. Um, And so I had, I had looked at several different options um, and then came across this admin assistant position at the Tomball Economic Development Corporation. So I went in and, and talked with Betty and she wouldn't hire me. She's like, you're, you're overqualified. You don't need this job. And I'm like, look, I just need to get out of the house. For my sanity. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> like, please just hire me. Um, and so she kept my resume on her desk while she was looking. And I'd ping her every once in a while. Hey, just let you know I'm still interested. And she had sent it over to the city for a couple of different things. And finally, she reached back out and said, all right, I, I, I really want to come in. I want you to come in and I want to talk to you. And so you know, we kind of hit it off. Um, my background with planning was, you know, I, I think she saw the kind of crossover between economic development and planning. And so that was, you know, kind of a, a good segue into what we do. Um, and I was there for about seven months. And during that time, the city had adopted zoning and they were looking for a city planner. And they knew my background. And so they kept saying, hey, you know, are you going to apply? And I'm like, no way. Whoever <laughs> applies for that job is nuts. And in the end, I ended up, they twisted my <laughs> arm enough. But I loved it. I mean, it was really an amazing experience. And being able to be kind of the, the first planner to set up the structure of integrating planning into, you know, the building and permitting portion of the city, setting that up, working on the first comp plan, you know, the livable centers, downtown plan, the access management study, some of those things that for me, that's what I like. You know, it's it's the long range planning, the looking at what is there now versus how it could evolve over time. And so I was there for, I guess, a couple, three years. And then um, Betty announced her retirement. And so that's when I had applied and moved over and it's been there, what, 12 years now? Mm-hmm. 12 years. 12 years. It's amazing when you look back on things like that and you're like, man, you know, usually the saying is time flies when you're having fun. And then you look back and you're like, but this has been a lot of stress. How am I having fun? You know, (laughs) how is it? And of course, yes, it's stressful. But in the end, when you're doing something you actually enjoy, then it just it flies by so fast. You're like, wow, I've been there for this long. I mean, I look back myself with the city of Tomball. I've been here in some capacity from part-time, full-time, all the way through now, I've been here for eight years. You know, my wife, before she left, was here for 10 years. Yeah. And it's like, it's a long time that it you kind of tie yourself quick. to a city. And I still, to this day, I catch myself like yesterday saying I grew up here. And it's like, I didn't. I grew up in Waller, yeah. but as an adult, yeah, I became who I am now here. Yeah, You know, so it's, it's a long time. I'm glad that we have y'all there. And y'all are so willing to come on here and talk about things. But Tiffany, I know... Somebody right now is listening and they did not listen to me when I said, go back and listen to Kelly's episode. So they're still thinking in their head, what the heck is an EDC? Why (laughs) is it important? Since you've been there so long, kind of just give me this heads up on what the EDC means to you and what y'all are doing for this community. And then, you know, of course, like I said before, this doesn't just apply to Tomball, but what do EDCs do for cities or regions altogether? Absolutely. I, 
there are many things that an EDC is and isn't, I guess. But the the easiest way I would kind of wrap it all together is that the EDC is a business resource and a business resource in the fact that um, we can help in a variety of ways. I mean, economic development and its sole purpose is to help build wealth, help the quality of life of its citizens in whatever community you're doing economic development. And so a business resource and a connector, those are going to be my two main things. And and you probably have added material there. But those two things to me is what hits home is that we are a business resource to help them, whether they are looking at coming into our community, that we are a business resource for our existing businesses primarily. We want those businesses that are here, we want them to be strong, growing businesses. We want to help them if they're having issues, whether it's workforce, whether it's a, you know HR type of situation, whatever those issues could be, we want to help them through them. And if we don't have the answers, because I mean, who does have all of the answers? We are a connector to get them the answers or the assistance that they need. And so that's really uh, for what economic development for me I would say to anybody listening to this to reach out to their business resource, their EDC in their community is because of what needs that they might be having, they can customize a package for them, whether um, everybody always wants to talk about incentives with economic development, but that's just one very minute piece of the puzzle. Um, And being able to connect them to people that have either lived through whatever they have going on in their lives, in their business, or connect them with a resource that will help get them through it and mitigate the issues as fast as possible. Or on the flip side, to help celebrate with them when they're like, you know what, we've we've doubled our size in the past so many years. We've we've survived these these growing pains. And so just being able to sit down and have a conversation and they want to know from you. They don't they don't know how they can help you if they if they haven't met you. And that goes both ways. But there's more businesses than there are EDCs in the world. So um, that's that's a plug to reach out to them as well. Doesn't mean that they don't know you, don't love you, don't care about you. But you, you guys outnumber us. And Y'all so, are busy. There's a lot we're of people very busy. coming in. But what I love about it, you know, I've known about the EDC for a long time. I've known about Chambers for even longer. But I never realized until Andrew was telling me, you know, we were business partners in one way. I work for him in another. Yeah. And he was like, I really want to move to Tomball. And I said, well, we have to go talk to the EDC. Yeah. And even he was kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess, you know, maybe. And, and so we walk in <laughs> and it's like, here's, you know, two people that on one day can be dressed up to the nines CEOs. But on this day, we're just like T-shirt shorts yeah. walking into the EDC office like, hey, we need to have a meeting, you know, and. And y'all come in and it's like, oh, man, this is a nice break from the usual business suits and ties and like kind of really, you know, strict meetings and strict client interactions. But then over that, y'all became so much more than just let me go here and talk to them and see if I can get some, you know, we always say free money. Of course, there's no such thing as free money, but there's grants and there's Mm -hmm. tax incentives and things that y'all work on on a very serious side of business. But at the same time, y'all have been kind of a realtor for us. You know, where you're you're at least putting us in touch with some people that have property. Y'all have been developers where you're like, we're going to take this piece of property that's nothing and turn it into this flourishing technology center. Y'all have been just people who can give advice and make those connections, you know, where it's like, hey, we don't necessarily do that, but I'm going to email this person and put you Mm -hmm. on that thread. They're going to handle all that stuff for you. And then, of course, 
the you know component that was super helpful for us was the the grant component where mm-hmm. it's like hey we can get you some financial assistance to start a business here in town mm-hmm. yeah. and just as a business owner it's so hard for us sometimes because it's like we got to think about where we're going to go where we're going to call home how we're going to pay rent for that year two yeah, years whatever absolutely. it is we got to think about how we're going to get funding for employees we have to think about how we're going to get funding to fulfill the jobs yeah. that we're doing or services we're doing like there's a lot on our plate and I, I don't think that people truly understand how much I'll take off of the entrepreneur's plate even more than just, yes, I can put you in touch with how to get this grant. It's like, yeah. no, I can also take some of these research items you have to do and find them for you because it's like, no, if you want to go on this side of town, that's great, but I can put you in touch with the Hudson's who can help you get into that side of town. Exactly. Like having that connection, networking is so key. So exactly. I think y'all are a lot more than just that. Thank you for saying that. It is I think people don't realize a lot of times we are we're like the handholders. You know, we're not just connecting, but we are we're right there going through the process with them. I mean, perfect example, I, I love to use Paradigm Brewery because they, you know, a startup, they obviously had, you know, experience and expertise, but they started right before COVID. So you have a startup with a restaurant, like the two most risky yep. right type of ventures, and then COVID hits. And going through that process with, with the partners and, you know, I mean, it was, we were probably on the phone every day, every other day, you know, because it was one hurdle after another. And, you know, I, I think once you've, once you've worked alongside mm-hmm. us, you realize that, hey, you know, we're not just there to pass you a number or, you know, issue a grant. We're, we're there really as, you know, a, a, like she said, a a business resource, but really like a helping hand, you know, we're, we're, we're helping to guide them through the process, helping to make sure that they feel like they have somebody that they can talk to when they're having whatever issue it is that they're having. And I mean, I think for us, you know, you hit the nail on the head. We, we, we want people to understand that, that, that is our our role. It it really is much more than just incentives, and yeah. I think that's I, I think probably the most misunderstood Absolutely. part for us. You know, chambers are are well known, mm-hmm. and and most areas have chambers. Not every area has an economic development organization. So, for instance, a lot of the unincorporated county areas around us, there's not an economic development organization, and if there is, then it's more of a um, membership base. So it functions more like a chamber, which means they don't have a sales tax um, revenue source that's steady for them to be able to do some of the things that we've been able to do, like the business park or major infrastructure projects. So we're in kind of this sweet spot with with Tomball um, as far as economic development, because we are under 20,000 in population, which the legislation that governs the use of our funds has this allowance. If you're under 20,000, then you can do projects that are more quality of life oriented, that are more um, oriented towards businesses that aren't necessarily industrial manufacturing distribution, which is kind of the core, the core activities for an economic development organization. Um, But for us, we, we have that added benefit of we've got a really healthy revenue source. Um, but we're able to utilize that in, in so many different ways and help the mom and pops and help, you know, the, the larger businesses and really be kind of this 
community development type of organization versus solely economic development. And I think that's the trend. I think a lot of organizations are having to kind of shift that way, especially post COVID Mm -hmm. now because of like, where's the workers? People aren't coming back. And so communities are having to focus more on what is it that the community offers? Because people can virtually live anywhere. Yeah. It seems to be more in line with the city of Tomball's wants and needs as well because you know the city seems to definitely kind of be in that middle of we're progressing we want to progress we want things to move along but at the same time we want to keep hold of and enjoy old town tomball you know one one thing i love about living here is being able to walk out down main street go to the shops and when i'm in the shops i'm gonna run into someone that i know we're going to have a conversation like I'm not just running in and out of a store, mm-hmm. you know, to grab something. I'm going to run into people I know. Mm-hmm. The community is tight knit. We're small. And it seems like some of the projects have been kind of focused on that kind of stuff, like the alleyways, you know, making those yep. look nicer so that mm-hmm. when you're walking down there, it's not just the back of a business that has dumpsters and stuff. It's actually a really cool place to hang out and go through. I mean, the depot is a huge mm-hmm. shout out for that. Where yeah. It's like, yeah, there's businesses all around it. But, man, we've got the farmer's market going on and we have. The depot itself is nice mm-hmm. and there's attractions there and we're a very tight knit community. So I love that y'all can focus more on things to do for us, but at the same time, it is still helping bigger businesses as well. Like mm-hmm. Paradigm's going to be huge one day. You know, yeah. they're already big. They're already in stores. They're already making really good beer and yeah. you know, for a craft brew, they're doing great, yep. but one day they're going to be huge. Mm-hmm. And to have that humble start is kind of nice. Yeah. So you know, either one of you may be the expert on this or both of you, but how is that different than other EDCs or are y'all different? Do y'all do kind of the exact same thing or are there some cool things about Tomball EDC that's unique to us here? You want to take it? Uh, Well, I can start. I think that there are definitely similarities that we all have as far as like the business resource. I think um, you touched on a part of it already, though, is that this EDC, we are able to work on very specialized projects like the Tumball Business and Technology Park. We have some bigger development projects that we have got to work on. And and in depending on size of EDOs, um, you know, they they might not have that opportunity because if a budget's not there to be able to purchase land and, and really get it ready for a shovel ready site, which was the point of the Tomball mm-hmm. Business and Technology Park. Um, I think that's one thing that definitely sets us apart. Um, I'm I'm going to share the air here, but I think that another area is that we do have that community spirit. And so every day that we come to work, it, it has to be mindful of, okay, as we look at major corporations and we, we do deals with them and have to offset of understanding what makes Tomball, Tomball is the community and that warm feeling of, you know, meshing those two, of being able to have both major corporate as well as worry about the mom and pop in, in our downtown. And so I think that's that's a great thing that we get to work on mm-hmm. that, you know, some EDOs might have their their downtown area not necessarily dried up, but it's not as present as as what it is here. And so Yeah. And and so you've got several types of organizations as far as economic development. For instance, the Woodlands. The Woodlands is a uh, more of a membership based. So I think they get some funding from the county, but it's it's functions more like a chamber. So they do um, kind of 
similar activities to us with regards to business retention and business attraction, but that doesn't include incentives and that doesn't include development because they really don't have the, the funds to do that. Um, on the flip side, you've got sales tax supported entities like what we are. You've got what's considered a type A and a type B. Type A is pretty much your industrial focused organization. So they're looking at primary jobs. So those jobs that are going to be at manufacturing, distribution, you know, that that type of industry, because that's base industry and that's what the, the essential focus is. So it's infrastructure, it's, you know, job creation, retention, that type of thing. Type Bs, which is what we are, we have more flexibility in the types of projects that we can undertake. And there's a mix. And some cities have type A and B. Um, it's all dependent upon how that sales tax is split. Um, for us, we we're type B, meaning we have more broad discretion in the types of projects we can undertake. Then you add in the layer of being under 20,000 in population, and that opens it up to those quality of life projects. So the things like the alleyway projects, um, you know, the, the redevelopment of South Live Oak, you know, the purchase of the church facility and looking at what that could develop as those, the ability to do that for us is because of us being a type B and being under 20,000 and that'll change someday, you know, I yeah. mean, hopefully not while we're here. <laughs> um, but it, I mean, it'll change someday. And, and when that happens, then that focus has to shift because we'll no longer be able to support that right now. I think we embrace that. And, and, you know, from our, our um, stakeholder surveys, from our strategic plans, you know, the discussion really over the past several years has been, you know, okay, we've got our, our kind of core activities, right? Retention, attraction, um, you know, helping workforce and, and education. And then all of a sudden there's this kind of push to really look at what we can do to impact downtown. So downtown's come up as a, as a huge mm -hmm. part of our strategic plan and, and what really is going to drive our efforts over the next several years, particularly with the two major pieces of property that we own downtown. So is it pretty prevalent that if I'm a big business, you know, these Macy's distribution centers, Tesla, these types of companies that are moving their businesses around, their first stop always is going to be government, EDC, EDO, um, you know, the city, the county, right? They're always going to y'all. They're utilizing y'all more than other businesses, I would assume. Typically. And they usually, in the, on the front end, they usually have a site selector mm -hmm. that's representing them. So a lot of times when we're working a project, we don't even know who it is yeah. until, you know, we get towards pretty much the end yeah. and it's like, okay, we have to disclose this in order for you to get this incentive. Right. Um, which is always a challenge because like Tiff said, we're, we're, we're trying to kind of balance, you know, the attraction of new businesses and also making sure that that doesn't have a negative impact mm -hmm. on existing businesses, you know, or, or our community in some way, whether that be an environmental impact or, you know, you name it. So it's, it's always kind of this balance when we're working some of these larger projects that are through a site selector, because a lot of times we just, yeah. we have no clue until we get to the end. So it's, it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a fun kind of guessing game in a way. Um, I don't think I've ever been right 
I don't know yeah. if either of us have. <laughs> no, I think it's it's pretty much internet's talking at that moment of like, who is looking in this size range? And yep. Yeah, so it just starts a whole. Yeah, like Costco st- was one yes. recently that yeah. everything I saw in the council meetings was coming from this other holdings or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. they're named. Yeah. And then. I was like, wait, who is that? And I started doing my internet research and I was like, Costco, are you kidding me? Yeah. Right down the street from my house. I'm never going to see my wife again. This is great. She is <laughs> going to be great. stuck at Costco all the time now. <laughs> I'm the same way though. I love shopping there. So uh, the reason I asked that is it's just that I kind of, as a small business, I'm like, if a big business is doing this one thing consistently, no matter who the business is, mm-hmm. seems to me like small businesses should emulate that. And I think it just kind of drives that point home. That if these big companies are going to come in to get the connections and the incentives and they see value in what y'all are doing across the country, mm-hmm. then as a small business, why aren't you utilizing the same resources that big company is? Yeah. You know, because I'm definitely one that it's like, hey, if if you see something that works and they're this big, then emulate it so that you can get that Absolutely. big as well. You know, And I think there's there's a couple of reasons why people don't. You know, I think one is they're just busy. You know, entrepreneurs, small businesses. We were talking about this earlier, you know, you send them an email, you do all that work and then you don't get any follow up or it's months go by and they just get buried. The other side of it is I think a lot of it just they don't they don't know what economic development is. They don't know what economic development organization is. And for the longest time, you know, I think we kind of got lumped in with either the chamber because we're co-located with the chamber or the city. And now I feel like we're finally at a point where people recognize us as our own organization and, and we have this identity. I think that's taken projects like the Business and Technology Park. I think it's taken, you know, some of these major endeavors that we've that we've kind of gone out on a limb with and 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 you know put ourselves out there as a as an organization. Um but it, I, I think finally, you know, kind of created an identity. So, you know, that's helping. And and I think upping our marketing efforts has Absolutely. been a huge, huge help. Because a lot of times, you know, you don't realize in your local community who does and who doesn't know you exist, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I think those two things, you know, not not knowing that we're there and just being too busy is a reason why most of them don't. Yeah, I don't know what drove me to just automatically think about it. Probably the fact that I was so tied in with the city already that I knew y'all existed and you were going to council meetings and, you know, having your own strategic planning meetings and Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. And so that definitely helped me to know that you're there, but you're right. Once you can kind of get that word out and doing things like this podcast, you know, it's been a, a very popular show is having the EDC on. And I'm glad to see that because I think it's kind of changing the light that is around y'all. So talking about the strategic plans, because I'm I'm guessing as an outsider here that obviously every single project that y'all have put together comes out of your strategic plan. Mm-hmm. It's something that, you know, not just you because you love planning, but uh, it's something you have to do because those things are big yeah. projects that have several phases. I mean, I know we've talked about some projects that were just years and years and yeah. years in the making so that had delays, setbacks, you know, whatever the case may be. So let's just start with kind of talking about what a strategic plan is and and how y'all get to what's going to be on that plate for that plan. Well, for for us, simply, it's our roadmap. You know, it's it's our guidebook. It's going to direct our activities. 
We've done a three-year strategic plan. We did that after the city updated their comprehensive plan because what the way we approach it is the city is is kind of setting that overall direction, right? The community through a comp plan and, and visioning process says, this is what we want our community to look like. This is how we want to develop. So for us, that's the main driver. Then we take that economic component out and we say, okay, out of those items, out of those things that the community has said that they want or that they, they're um, focused on, how can we help? How do we execute those things? And that's where we bring kind of that into our strategic plan. So for instance, things like downtown um, parking has come up as a major area of, of, of issue, you know, and one of the reasons why we bought the first Baptist church was we were able then, I mean, the parking obviously already exists there, but it's not public parking. I mean, people may park there, but technically if they wanted to block it off, they could. So we ended up picking up, you know, about 329 spaces. I think it was with that purchase that are now public parking spaces you know, we're looking at opportunities where we can partner with the city on other, you know, parking lots. Um, because if you don't have parking, right, people aren't going to come and visit your business. So there's, a, I think, a, you know, a lot of overlap in what we can do and what we what we do. Tiffany, I mean, anything that the strategic plan really means for you, like any goals or objectives y'all have kind of worked on in the past that have been major successes in y'all's minds or anything that's come out of it that that we may not know of in the city as this huge plan that y'all were working on um i, I think kelly really said it best it, it's the it's the roadmap that we use and and realistically i think all of them have led to really good successes mm-hmm. um and that's not meant as a pat on our back that's a pat on the back to our board and the stakeholders that have taken part of that um, I think for me personally, um, the work that we do with our educational partners is something that, you know, wasn't maybe as strong five years ago. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's one of our primary goals. We recognize workforce as a huge component in our in our office because we know we hear from our businesses and saying either help us find you know skilled workforce. Um, we're not able to find available workers at all, or I, I need my workers to be upskilled in an area. And so we really, we listen to the stakeholders um, through surveys and, and different events. And when that came to the board and through the strategic work plan process, it became a goal. And to make a EDC goal means that every day that we are going to be focusing on, okay, are we are we following that roadmap? Mm-hmm. Have we we made any detours? And and really, if we have, let's get back on track. And so, I mean, hate to reiterate the fact that a strategic plan is a plan, but there's a reason why the board, the stakeholders, the staff put that plan in place. Let's bring ourselves back and make sure. And for the EDC, it's not a plan that sits on the shelf. Yeah. I can 1,000% like... Quarterly, we are giving that update to our board. That's obviously public, you know, information, and so you can see where we're at on that roadmap. But as a staff, we have staff meetings. As like, where are you at on this item? So it is truly the the device that directs our day to day. 
So how does it change and adapt? You know, it, so let's oh. say you have that meeting yeah. and it's like, hey, you know what? We're actually not making this progress like we should or mm-hmm. we need to change something. What does that kind of look like whenever you have to adjust, you know, COVID. take that, that wrong turn on GPS? Mm-hmm. Yeah, COVID was a big I mean, one. so huge. Yeah. And so every Culinary. year when we do, yeah, when we do the strategic plan, um, we, re- we do a retreat with the board and stakeholders, include city staff, um, council and mayor are always invited. Um, but we do like a start, stop, continue. So we go through our goals. We go through all of the action items and we have the discussion. Okay. Is this working? Is this something we want to continue down the path? Do we need to put the brakes on and say, okay, we got a retool here or are we going to continue down this path? And so that's kind of how we evaluate every year those goals. And if you look at our strategic plan, it is, it's uh, only a couple pages. I mean, there are four very specific goals and it's retention, attraction, downtown and education workforce. I mean, it's very specific. A lot of times I think people, you know, they, they do these big lofty plans and there's so much in there to implement that it's overwhelming, right? And they almost don't know where to start. So it's like, okay, put it back on the shelf for Mm -hmm. us. It's it's very clear and it's very concise. And once we get the strategic plan and it's adopted by the board and then taken to council and council adopts it, I mean, those are our marching orders. Mm -hmm. We start going. And, you know, we have the luxury, I guess, of of being I mean, we are focused on on economic development and those four goals. We don't have um, the added challenge of like having to deal with like the city, all the different functions. And so. For us, it's, you know, we we operate differently. We can operate faster, you know, in a sense, um, because of the way we're structured. And I think, you know, as far as our strategic plan, like I said, it's it's simple and it's very it's very clear cut that these are our goals. And for instance, the business park. So one of the the goals on on um, retention and attraction is to be 100 percent sold out of the business park. We're there, you know, so it's like, okay, now what, now what do we want to focus on? And part of that was looking at, you know, do we want to look at expanding the business park? Do we want to look at another business park? Does that make sense? And we went through the feasibility of that several years ago and it was determined, no, it doesn't make sense for us to do that because right now the market's strong. When we started the business park back in 2011, 2012, it was to fill a void. You know, we really weren't competitive as a community for some of these companies. I mean, we would lose them to Conroe, to Waller, mm-hmm. to Katie, you name it. And we started looking around going, okay, why? What? What's the reason for that? And we went and visited and toured each one, had a business park. And that was one of the biggest things that we would see when, you know, leads would come in through either the governor's office or Greater Houston Partnership. One of the check boxes was, you know, is it in a business park? We didn't have we, we didn't have that to offer. Um, and it's it's interesting because seeing the business park develop and and seeing the businesses that have come there and how that has kind of changed the landscape of that portion of the city. You know, I really think that that's one of the biggest drivers of the amount of growth in in industry that we have in our region. I mean, it's it filled a gap, and now it's like private side can take that on, and and that I think is 
is a, you know a really kind of telling story as to how an EDC can help, right? You can help fill a gap. And then you got to look back and go, okay, now where can we focus and best use our, our funds and our efforts? I think sometimes citizens get kind of scared of progress, right? Yes. It, it's something, it's something even I battle with. Like I'm a very, I love progression, especially when it comes to like, I visit cities like Fort Worth and much larger than Tomball. Don't get me wrong. I'm not comparing them, but it's like, there's so many cool things to do here, Mm -hmm. you know, that brings that tourism in when you can go to bars that have arcades inside of them and, you know, relive your childhood Mm -hmm. while still getting to be with the people you want to be with and drink an alcoholic beverage if you want to and do those kinds of things. And it's just, you know, there's cool history there. There's cool new things that are popping up and and coming about. So how do y'all balance that objection of, progression because it, it scares some people they're like well yeah macy's is coming in you know look at the 99 corridor and 249 and how built up this is going to become and i hear and understand their objection to it but at the mm-hmm. same time for me personally it comes down to we won't have anything if we don't progress and mm-hmm. then with that progression we needed to be controlled obviously yeah. and have some really good thought that's where the edc mm-hmm. and the city comes in mm-hmm. to come together and say how are we going to control this but in my mind, it's like if you don't have that progression, you don't have more jobs for more people moving here. Mm-hmm. You don't have things for citizens to go do and all of that. So just kind of how do you all balance that and justify it? Well, I think the reality is for a city, if you're not growing, you're dying. And like downtown is a perfect example. You, you see that when the city invested and the EDC invested in kind of that public infrastructure, you know, the depot, you had mentioned how that's such a, a you know great asset. It brings a lot of people there. Um, when you when you see communities investing in their downtown, people say, okay, you know, there's there's something going on here. And that's, I mean, that really is what happened when we started to kind of see these businesses now come in to downtown. Communities that aren't growing, that aren't investing in themselves, the businesses are leaving. And when the businesses leave, right, there's no jobs. And when there's no jobs, socioeconomic levels go down. I mean, there's there's kind of that flip side that people need to understand. And I think you hit it head on is yes, we, we, we are growing, we need to grow, but it needs to be done in a very thoughtful and, and, and intentional way. And that's where a lot of the people that I've talked to, um, you know, that have, Oh no, Costco's coming in. Great. You know, all this traffic and, and this and that, you know, I think being able to kind of explain, okay, your your growth is coming. It's going to happen either way. But we have the ability to be very intentional with where that growth happens, how that growth looks, and and how, you know, what the what the effects are of that. And it's, you know, I mean, it's not always positive. There is increase in traffic. You know, there is increase in people and, you know, more people, more crime. That's just the reality. Um, I, you know, I I think you're always going to have a a certain group that is going to say, you know, I I want Tomball like it was, you know, in, you know, the 60s. Um, I mean, it's just not realistic. Well, and I think real... Coming into this community from outside and working in a community where like the last community I was in is 5,000 people. So much more rural 
the location that Tomball has alone, being located in Harris County, we are going to have growth. It's it's organically going to happen. And so, as Kelly said, being intentional with your planning, you know, and being intentional with those plans that you set out and really trying to follow it, that's that's really how we try to keep everything alive. I mean, it's coming, it's sprawling, it's 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 going to happen, but being able to be at the front forefront of that and and get, I don't want to say desirable, what you want of those businesses coming in, that's what we go after. If that makes sense. Yeah. So. Well, I'm, and I'm th- I think too more tax revenue from larger yeah. businesses equals more funds available for police departments, for fire departments, mm-hmm. for the city as a whole. So it kind of plays into Mm -hmm. what you said of the progress is going to happen no matter what. So let's control it. And then those things that we're concerned about more crime or increased fire loads across the, you know, the whole place, that kind of stuff. It's like, well, those can be mitigated with the tax revenue we generate from it. So let's make a plan and put all that together and kind of go into it in a harmonious way where we know what's happening Mm -hmm. and we can control what's happening and make it the way we want it to be. The city's getting ready to kick off um, a big update to their comprehensive plan. They did one in 2019, but that was obviously right before COVID. There had been a ton of changes just growth-wise. And so I'm really excited about this update and and really encourage the community, the businesses to get involved in that process. There'll be several different public workshops and visioning sessions and whatnot. But that's the opportunity to say, you know, this is this is the type of development I want here, or this is what mm-hmm. I absolutely do not want here. That's the opportunity for the community to 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 really voice, you know, their concerns. And and for those that don't want growth, that's a perfect opportunity for them to come out and see, you know, what the city has to deal with with regard to, you know, requests for permits, with requests to rezonings, all of those things that you know is is in is in their lap and they're looking to the community to kind of guide that, that visioning process. Like you tell us what you want to see here and then we implement or enforce it. Yeah. So as far as economic development week, we mentioned in the beginning that that's happening right now. So, you know, what does that mean for economic development offices or organizations, corporations, whatever they call themselves. And then what does that mean for Tomball EDC? What kind of conferences do y'all have? I know y'all work on this big book that you come out with every single year. You know, is that something that's for the public as well? Or does it just kind of tie into the uh, economic development week? I'll let you handle that one. Oh, okay. So um, economic, well, we call it first EDO. And so it's an economic development organization. Um, we do have our annual report coming out. Um, it will actually go before our board on May 9th. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is just a compilation of the accomplishments and stuff that we have uh, went through that follow the strategic work plan. We'll be taking that to the board again on the 9th for approval. Um, National Economic Development Week is really a, a celebration amongst EDOs. Um, and the work that is created across the nation mm-hmm. um, and in a way to bring out more awareness of the ED, uh, of EDOs. And so like Kelly had mentioned earlier, you know, if you hear Chamber of Commerce, you immediately know what that is. Um, with an economic development organization, it's still kind of 
unknown, kind of like a CVB is, is for tourism. And so it's just a way to showcase the, the work that economic development developers uh, do throughout the year. And so one component of that is the, the report that we put out um, and really just trying to showcase what we can help with. Mm-hmm. And we have a really healthy social media campaign coming out next week um, that will help uh, kind of further educate what we do, where we can help. Um, the other part of that, uh, the, the mayor did a proclamation for Economic mm-hmm. Development Week um, at council, and we are also hosting um, Congressman Wesley Hunt on mm-hmm. a tour of the business park. So he'll get to see a couple of the businesses in there um, and just really kind of introduce him to to economic development, mm-hmm. to what we do, to you know, kind of what our impact is on the community. We've seen a big increase in marketing, you know, something you've mentioned on the show already as well with your EDO specifically. But what do you think, what do you think that your message is that you're trying to get out with that? Like, why are you trying to be so out there? What is it you want to get across to everyone? One, just, I think identity, you know, obviously letting people know that we exist and that we aren't just here for the the big business. You know, I think more than anything, trying to have more of a presence locally, you know, so that the the, the mom and pops that, the, you know, the smaller businesses that, you know, wouldn't normally maybe go to an EDC because they don't feel like they would qualify or, you know, they're afraid of all the red tape that maybe would come along with, you know, grants and incentives. Um, so I think it, it's, it's, you know, ha- having that recognition, one of, of who we are. But also that, you know, we are a partner in the community. And I think showing that um, projects like working on, um, you know, Louis Together Playground with the city, you know, some of those types of things that people wouldn't ordinarily think that, you know, we would be involved in. You know, I, I think a lot of that is we need to do a better job of, of um, describing who we are and what we do. That's fair. But a tagline I will I will push out there because handling different marketing pieces for the EDC is that we mean business. And that's the tagline on our current marketing efforts is, is we mean business, we are here for business, and we want to help understand your business so we can better assist you. Mm-hmm. And so if you see our ads that are in national magazines from our social media here local all the way to online digital, it is we mean business. Yeah. Podcasting seems to be part of that marketing effort that's kind of important to y'all. I mean, obviously this is the second show we've done on the EDC. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's something that's kind of big in y'all's industry or is this something new that y'all are kind of trying out to see if it can generate y'all some more publicity? I think mar- podcasting has definitely been more on the rise, especially over the past probably three to four years. Yeah. Um, really trying. I think We're all busy. I mean, we talked about that earlier. And so um, being able to better educate yourself, whether it's on a specific topic, what your competitors are doing, um, and the success stories that have happened in EDOs. You can listen to some of the other um, economic development uh, directors or BRE, whatever it may be, you can learn so much from them. And that's just another tool to let the community know uh, who they are, what they do, and how they can assist. And so I've I mean, we've really seen mm-hmm. a rise of that over the past few years. I think it's a great tool. Uh, for me personally, I-, I spend two hours a day in a car. 
two hours, an hour here and an hour home. And so I, I cannot tell you what the hottest song on the radio station is right now, but I can tell you um, the books and the podcasts that I listen to every single day. And that's, you know, that's how I get keep myself updated. I don't watch TV much and stuff like that. So podcasts for me are huge. Yeah, I think it increases transparency as well. Mm-hmm. Not that y'all aren't transparent by nature. Your meetings are public. These documents mm-hmm. are public. Anyone can walk in your office at any time. But like you said, mm-hmm. when are we really going to make time unless yeah. we are a business person that is in need of something or right. wants to stop in to stay abreast of all the things that are happening? It's like just a, a normal average Joe or Jill. When are they going to actually you know, call into the EDC yeah. and find out these updates or a lot of times it's something that skips to the back of our mind. And I think yeah. that podcasting, videos, social media, mm-hmm. it's an easy way for us to stay in touch when we're at our desk or we're at home. It's nice to be able to just put something on, listen, mm-hmm. and see that update for yourself, mm-hmm. especially okay. something like this that, I mean, I love y'all. I'm sorry, but I don't think a lot of people pay very mm-hmm. close attention to what's going on unless no. they're in the industry. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. so this helps to open that up and make mm-hmm. sure that people are actually interested in paying attention to it. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, I think the other thing is it for us, you know, it, there are some projects like the business park, like South Live Oak. I mean, they are long-term projects. Mm-hmm. I mean, the business park we've been working on since 2011. Mm-hmm. And you know, sometimes there are projects that we're working on and we're on, you know, under a non-disclosure agreement. So we can't even say who, who it is, what it is, what it's about for, I mean, sometimes a year or, or why more. it's consumed so much of our time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, there's always that challenge when it comes to like transparency, because there are certain things that we just, because of the nature of what we do, we can't say. And it, it that's it it drives Bruce crazy in the office you know because <laughs> Bruce he, he loves to know everything and yes. know what's going on and so when there's something like that he it drives him nuts and it's just we're like coming soon sorry can't <laughs> we're still gonna get them on the podcast as well because I, I think Bruce is a wealth of knowledge he's someone oh, that I thoroughly enjoy knowing in this city and the chamber as well yeah. you know. I mean, all of them. I don't want to sit here and, and just say Amy and just Alex or just Brandy or they've got a new person there now, too. Mm-hmm. So, Jason. you know, I knew mm-hmm. Jason. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to forget his name and make him feel bad. But they're all <sighs> so great, you know, and then yeah. everybody who is surrounding y'all, the Raymonds in this city and, yeah. you know, all the people that make a huge difference every single day in yeah. this city are all good people to be around, good people to know. So hopefully we'll get them on the show as well, yeah. because. The cool thing about this is, no, y'all are not necessarily just a business owner who's here to tell your story, but you are so involved for other businesses that I think mm-hmm. it's an important thing to listen to. Mm-hmm. And then with that origin story, you still came from somewhere. You still have an interesting story to share. So I hope our listeners like our little deviation. And I can't thank y'all enough for coming back on the show, Tiffany, for joining us yeah. for the first time and being thank here and sharing this us. information. Yeah, Thank you, thank for, you for having us. No, it it's is great. always our pleasure. And listeners... Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Small Business Origins. That's it for us, man. It's been some great insights for businesses, but citizens as well. There's so much information here packed for your economic development organization. You need to reach out to whoever it is that serves your local area. If you don't have one, find one nearby and take part in it because it really does shape up the community you live in and the community for businesses there as well as the economy. It's not all about money. Just like you said, sometimes it's about the place that we live as well. 
So that's it for us. Make sure you go to www.smallbusinessorigin.com. Check out the show notes right below to find out all of the links that you have for the Tomball EDC specifically. We'd love for you to visit them. Give them a shout out on their social media so that you can let them know how great of a job that they're doing. But that's it. Ladies, thank you for coming in and being a part of the show. Listeners, we'll see you on the next one. And as always, stay beefy, my friends. Thanks for listening to another episode of Small Business Origins. I love an origin story. If you like what you just heard, leave us a review, subscribe, and share with a friend. You guys, check this out. They're going to love it. You're going to love it.